0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I uh, went to a restaurant last week. Well, I went to a screening of uh, Dirty Dead Con Man with a past guest, Peter Dobson. He had a great screening over there in Beverly Hills. And I always cracked up because I used to work in restaurants. And after the screening of this pilot, it's at like 9 o'clock and we go across the street and they have free drinks for an hour. And I always crack up at restaurant managers because they knew people were coming in but they only had one bartender. So all of a sudden this bartender is sitting there and 50 people come in the door and you would sit there and think that the manager would go, okay, we have a a party coming in. Let's uh, be good to these people because they paid enough money to have an open bar and people, who get free drinks, especially in Hollywood, are gonna drink, especially when you're at a place in Beverly Hills, and there's one guy, and I felt so bad, I saw his fear. So I'm not gonna mention the restaurant, but if you're a restaurant manager, and you know some party is coming to 50 people, have more than one bartender back there, because it affects your service. Anyway, we've, uh, I wore my shirt today, I wore the Hooters shirt today, mm-hmm. because my my guest is uh, was a comic, when I started doing comedy, I used to work the door at the Comedy Factory outlet, and uh, this is probably, Back in '88, '89, and I the comedy in fact that was a great show, and my, my guest would come on, he would just blow the room up, and I always remember there was a there was a porter or a janitor named Lewis, and he used to always do a bit
1: Lewis with the mop, yeah. and after my guest is Craig Shoemaker, how you doing, Craig? Great! Well, it's funny. After- I want to know the Hooters shirt uh, bass player is it Andy or Fran?
0: Uh oh, oh it's uh I know it's John Lilly. Um. No, the original. It's either
1: Fran or Andy. Who's on there? Let me see. I'm not sure. I think it's Fran. That's funny. Now, because I I remember, uh, David, I can't pronounce the drummer's last name. Now, do you know those guys? I know them. I know them for many years. I used to work with the Hooters. Okay. um, Opening for them. And I ran the uh, comedy shows at the Ambler Cabaret, the 23's Cabaret, the Chestnut Cabaret, owned by their manager, Steve Mountain. All right. So we were all associated and... As a matter of fact, uh, one of them married the manager of the 23
0: East. That's funny, because I remember what Big Daddy Graham used to book some things. I mean, he had some restaurant in Ardmore, that, and he did John Barleycorns. I remember playing those mm-hmm. gigs. But now, do you remember Lewis? I don't know if you remember. You used of to sit there. Of course I do, yeah. And you, it was so funny, because I was new in comedy, and you were you were a legend in Philadelphia. I mean, you still are. but uh, And you hang out with the Eagles. I mean, come on. <laughs> but now, it's so funny, because you would just destroy that room, and that room was so great. But it must have been... Weird, because you were out in L.A. by then, I think. And
1: you would come back. Uh, I moved in 87, late 87 to L.A. with uh, Richard Jenny and John Mulrooney. Okay. We all moved out the same day in late October of 87. Felt like gunslingers. We're going to show L.A. Right. what it's like <laughs> to be brought up playing John Barleycorns. Right. And, and all of those bars. The friendly cafe. The friendly, yeah, we had to play the bars, and it really kind of gave you your education on how to deal with any circumstance, whereas Los Angeles, they didn't have that. And we felt. So we felt like, oh, we'll show them.
0: Now, I wanted you to come up, because you, you were on four years ago when you were doing stand-up, and now you toured the country. I mean, you've headlined everywhere. Many times. And I, I always think, you know, because you retired from doing stand-up. And, Just did, yeah. And it's it, for me, it's like, and I'll compare this to sports. I'm going to call it not retiring, but rewiring. Okay, there you go I rewired yeah, But I'm just thinking yeah. It must be different for you Because you know Think of like an athlete When an athlete Let's say Brian right. Dawkins Played for right. the Eagles And he played for a Denver
1: Yeah, and, they're always questioning You know Do I have it anymore?
0: Right And they also comedians
1: don't have that question
0: Right Because they get out After like 15 years Because that's all their body can take Yeah You were doing stand-up I mean, And the thing is You know It's not it like since, you were like
1: Since junior year of high school yeah. In and, Philadelphia And yeah. you were headlining Very quickly Very quickly Because I did impressions Okay, so That now, was the reason by the way Because because if you're in a situation like a bar in Sea Isle City right. <laughs> with a bunch of drunks that are there down the shore, and they're, what's this? What's this comedian right. doing on the stage? Oh, give me a, give me a salty dog, yeah. you pussy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you uh, impressions or guitar magic. These are the things that you know, people are like animals. You know, you show them a little shiny object, and an impression is a shiny object. So. I would do impressions of celebrities, even well-known people in Philadelphia, and that's what it didn't make me any better as a comedian. It made me more have more attention as one because the audience will look, and they're not going to look at the same this the same way at a monologist. So that's why I yeah I headlined right away.
0: Now when did you find the art of doing impressions? Were you a kid? Did you always watch? Because for me, I don't do I do stupid impressions, but I mean. I know every kid who watched The Ed Sullivan Show would always do I mean, were you When you were younger, were you trying to do The Ed Sullivan? Or who, who were some of your early impressions?
1: Uh, first one was Jimmy Stewart. Okay. I, I used to do Jimmy Stewart as a horse race announcer. While <laughs> while well, well, the horses, they're, they're down there in the gate. And they're off. He said, yeah, bye, bye, I, well, well yeah, yeah, Mr. Ed, wins by a way? <laughs> I learned how to do him from watching... Uh, I was kind of a latchkey kid, didn't have a dad, and my mom was always working, so the television became my parents, my cousins, my family, and I adopted their personalities. The very first one I really got into, though, was uh, Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith Show. Andy was like a dad to me, and Barney was like the uncle. He's the uncle you always wanted over for Thanksgiving because he's the funniest. Right. And there was no one funnier than Don Knotts. And I was so much so that he became a part of my life. There was all these integral, these, there all these moments in my life that Don Knotts is associated with, like in success, including last week, his daughter called me. And she's honoring me by including in, me in her book about her dad. Now, how does that happen? I mean, how does, does she know you do, you do a great impression? And uh, It's pretty well known now right. from the people who know who the hell he is. He's been, he's been gone for quite a few years now. But uh, it, it's pretty well known that I do the Barney Fife, the Don Knotts impression. So, so much so that I looped him in the movie Pleasantville. You know, he's, okay. he was older at the time and he was getting sick, so he couldn't come in. So about 15 of those lines are actually me talking as him as an old guy that's how much he channels through me i can even do him as an old guy
0: see that must be great that that's just that must be amazing for you when you started doing you know when you're a kid when you're doing barney fife you're not thinking anything and then years
1: later you're not you're, getting, uh, no, you're not projecting yeah. oh his daughter's yeah. gonna call me to include you get me. a call oh you're, you're gonna be the well, not only, the, only that i got to know him i mean and she and i talked about that and and uh, here's what i talked to her about uh, so uh, 1989 my first television I won ten thousand national television. I won ten thousand dollars on America's Funniest People doing a Barney Fife fighting the Cowardly Lion impression. Two years later, I guest star on Matlock, my first guest starring role, Matlock with Andy Griffith and Don Knotts. Okay. Then 1996, Comic Relief, my big breakout. That was the night that Don Knotts was on that show with the Steve Allen Show, they are honoring the Steve Allen Show, so I met him that night. They posed us next to each other in entertainment tonight. It was a beautiful moment for me. I mean, it was my idol, my right. uncle. And I'm, I'm doing the old Barney for the cameras going, all right, Andy, you got to nip it, nip it in the bud. There are two rules here at The Rock. And he turns to me, goes, I'm old. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> and some people told me that their great memory, I've had a lot of people tell me this is backstage a Comic Relief. I'm I'm on stage, kind of this young upstart, you know, Whoopi Goldberg introduces me, and I, it really went well. It was a big shift in my career because I went to a national level with all these superstars, you know, Comic Relief. So Don Knotts watched me backstage on the monitor, st- sitting down real close because he had an eye, eye issue, sitting really close, and everyone told me they watched him watch me wow. do him. And he turned to Steve Allen. Apparently, he goes, "He does me pretty good, doesn't he, Steve?"
0: Isn't that <laughs> when you think about it? Isn't that a uh, such uh the best flattery you'll ever get? I mean, when the person says, yeah. I mean, it's different if you hear him go, "Ah, that guy sucks," but that must be so great, especially as a comic, because we we love you know to get. You know, uh, you know, the approval. It must be amazing when you do a character, because always you sit there and think, well, if I, if I'm doing this
1: impression, if yeah. I ever see this guy, he's gonna punch me in the face. Right. You know? Oh, I've thought but that for, many times. I've that? had it happen. Who, so I'm to punch you in the face. Well, uh, kind of, kind of. I was uh, doing a movie with Patrick you're, Stewart. You're whoops, whoops. Sorry about that. No, I heard the sound. I was like, Wait, I was something. wondering what that was too. I thought it was my vibrator. <laughs> By um, I was doing a movie with Patrick Stewart. Now. You know, he is. He seems like he'd be a badass. So, and by the way, at that time, he was really lifting a lot of weights on the set. He really wanted a good body for this (laughs) role. So I think he kind of had the male thing going. He was just coming off of Captain Picard. It was in between that and X Men, right? Where he's Professor Xavier. Anyway, so I'm not like him. I grew up in Philly. You know, I'm kind of crude and rude, and he's this. You know, a Shakespearean-trained right. actor, actor, <laughs> thespian. And I'm playing the chuckle hut in Wingaloogie, Michigan. <laughs> so they said, go do an impression of him as an icebreaker. They said, do an impression. He'll love it. So I walked up to him. You know, I did the Picard. Make it so, number one. <laughs> he turns to me, you're a dick. <laughs> Make him go away. Now, I had to co-star with him for a month of shooting. <laughs> so we had to be, like, really close friends on... So I kept trying to loosen him up. So you know what he did? You could see this in the movie. There's a stunt scene, a big fight with guns and uh, wrestling and hitting one another. And they go, okay, we have two stuntmen for both of you, two stunt doubles. And he turns to me with this look of, you know, that macho male thing, the challenge look. Right. I don't need a stuntman. Do you, Craig? And I go, no, I don't need one either. <laughs> So meanwhile, since he's the star and the winner of the fight, he literally hit me. And you can see it on screen. He <laughs> kicks me into a fern, into a plant. I go flying into a plant. And and so we're finished the scene. I'm sweaty. I mean, we went at it, strangling. And I didn't want to do anything to him because right, he was hell off. he me me fired. <clears throat> Craig took a poke at me. I want him fired now. Engage. So anyway, he hits me into the fern. So he did not like the impression, I, and he kept catching me do it. Watch the movie, by the way. It's called Safe House. And you will see what happens for yourself. No, and then no. there's another scene where he throws me into glass. You know, it's sugar glass, it's called. But still, he really did it violently. I know he was getting his little digs at me because I was digging at him doing my stupid impression. <laughs> it's like one time I didn't think he was around, and the cameraman goosed me. And I turned to him and I said, I'm going to touch your pecker. And his bald head pops out. I heard that, Craig. Go do your comedy skit elsewhere in El Segundo or wherever you go. He even called it a little comedy skit. No, really? Oh yeah, a little. You do your little comedy skit. And
0: that's that's the worst when someone calls it. Oh, you have a skit, but when it's an when actor it, like that going, oh, a little comedy. You're probably like, you're,
1: oh, I want to. Oh, it was a menial little comedy skit to have because he's been doing King Lear. So uh, anyway, we ended up. Kind of having some fun, and I loosen them up. This one conversation was great. I said, uh, "Hey Patrick, did you ever do what we used to do? Like, what was it like growing up in England? And you know, Philadelphia? We used to like really. It was all about like nudity. You know, when you're a kid, you're like looking, checking your stuff out. I said, did you ever take your jewels and tuck them back by your rear end and see what you look like as a woman and stand in front of a full-length mirror? You ever give yourself a mangina?' And he goes." Yes, Craig, I've done a mangina. Every man has. If if you're naked in bed, one leg goes over the other, it disappears. You have a mangina. So I said, this is great. I got him where I want him. I said, did you ever do Rocket Man? I don't even know what that is. Oh, wow. And I'm Billy from the thought of Billy here. doesn't know Rocket Man. He goes, what's Rocket Man, Craig? I'm intrigued. <laughs> I said, well, if you're circumcised, you tuck it back into the launch pad. So it disappears. <laughs> So that, the, you know, it's gone. And then you go five, four, three, two, and that's Rocket Man. <laughs> he goes, let's wrap it up and go home and do Rocket Man. <laughs> so we ended up getting along all right. But then I told the story on radio when he was promoting King Lear. <laughs> and they were trying to talk to him. They played the recording back for me. You know, he's doing those phoners. They bang out the phone calls from their publicity team. So he's calling his show on Detroit and you know, he's real serious. You know, He's trying to talk about, watch this show on TBS is his dream role. And they go, we had a friend of yours on Craig Shoemaker. Do you remember him? He goes, oh, yes, I remember Craig. And then they said, he's quite a kidder. And they said, he's going, so King Leah, I've been reading to play this part. for." And they go, what about Mangina? And you hear him go, oh boy, this is not the way he wanted the interview to go. So. Anyway, I don't, celebrities are, I'm weird with celebrities. I know a lot of them and meet a lot of them, but sometimes it doesn't go the way they would want it to being a comedian. Right. That's why a lot of comics, I mean, a lot of. Actors and things don't really hang out with a lot of comics. They're afraid of them. It's funny we tell
0: the truth Yeah, it's it's so funny. So now I want to talk about this the stand-up now Now why did you decide to get out of it? Because I mean you did it for so long And it's not like your career slowed down it's no. like you could still wherever you went. I mean, I have friends. I, I said to someone I was talking to a guy the other day and he goes mm. who's your guest this week? And he's from out here. He's an actor mm. and I go and I, he's trying to act and I said mm. uh, so It's Craig Shoemaker. Oh, yeah, the love master people know that yeah. I mean and it's it's one of those things where You were still, I know when you go to flappers, you'd sell out. I know wherever you go, you were selling out.
1: Yeah. What, what I mean, as I was going to say, and and also quite frankly, not in a braggy way, but standing ovations every show.
0: Yeah, because well, you're high energy, you have a good act, and you've been doing it, and you and you're a pro, and you do a long set. It's not yeah, like you sit there and do a because yeah. so many now, and it's so funny because I've seen comedy change where, yeah. and I don't really perform much, but now you see someone, you know, on Facebook. I'm headlining the show, and there's like seven acts to yep. them, and it's like so okay, so you know yeah. 20 minutes. So so technically you're not even a feature, but now for you, you give an hour, an hour and a half. I a, do
1: 90 minutes. I have a five minute opener that I travel with. That's basically how. Uh, And I've been doing that way for quite some time, much to the chagrin of some of the bookers that want the three, four act show. And, you know, I've had situations where they'll, they'll mistakenly not look at the contract and have somebody there. I have to have the guy step aside and say, sorry, that's just not the way I do it. And you know how I compare it? It's not a snobby thing. It's just like I wrote this one person show and it's got a beginning, middle and an end. It doesn't have an intermission, but it's like a play and you don't. You can't say to somebody, if you go to see King and I, just do the dance, shall we dance? You know what I mean? It takes the play. You have to understand the characters and the development of it. And I think that, by the way, this is also answering your question on why I'm out. In this Twittering, uh, short attention world that we're living in, where people are texting during the show, they can't they can't go five seconds without their Facebook status update. I am tired of reprimanding them. So there's reason number probably four. We'll get to the other reasons. But that being said, people would say, you know, how come you do so much time? And they would like resent it and, you know, get even angry with me. And I'd say, listen, you're a sprinter and I'm a marathoner. Doesn't make either one of us any better than the other. I'll go win my race and you win yours. And I support you when you're getting your gold. But I would hope you would support me in saying, that's what I do. It's just it's just what works best for me. I, I have reasons for it. One of the reasons is, look at me. I mean, I don't look funny. I had a guy, a friend of mine that I knew for a year, and, I, and he was going to Atlantic City. I knew he had a house there. So he lives in LA. And uh, this is a whole year, and he didn't know what I did for a living. That's funny. And I, he's <clears> in Atlantic <throat> City. I go, hey, why don't you meet me at Caesars? He goes, meet you for what? I'll be at Caesars. And he goes, oh, you're staying at Caesars? He, he didn't put two and two together. And I go, yeah, I'll leave tickets for you. It's Ray Charles and me. And he thought I was an accountant, a boring accountant. <laughs> he had no idea. And so suddenly his introduction to me was opening for Ray Charles and why I had tickets waiting for him. At the, and all of a sudden, here's Craig Schumacher. And he's going, what the hell? Right. <laughs> he still tells the story about that. He couldn't believe. So I don't, I don't come out like most comedians and bleed from the word go. You don't have compassion or empathy for the big white guy. So that's one of the reasons I have to sort of tell stories and then bring them into the story because the looks wise I can't go out and say hey you know I'm a minority and my people are out there taking your hubcaps you, you, you right now. You can't say me like hey
0: I'm bald. You know you, you can't you say can't know, do bald, yeah. can't do
1: fat, you know, hey where's the buffet? I mean there's all, all that stuff is disarming and I don't have the same tools to disarm because there's an acceptance if you're minority Right away, as soon as you walk onto the stage. So, but there's not. If you're the person who probably was the one giving them a wedgie growing up, right? I look like the guy that gave people wedgies. I well, wasn't. I was the shortest in my high school.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it, exactly. But you have that, you know, the mainline look. I mean, in Philadelphia, yeah. you have the mainline look, like, like you know, I had one of the, I had one of the billionaires' boy clubs on the guy Brian McNamara. Oh wow. And, yeah. And you had like, like you could have played one of the, the you could have been right next to Judd Nelson. And I in a suit, and, right? You know, I go and, and,
1: in for those parts, right? And that's what I look like. And meanwhile, inside, this is by. By the way, one of my other reasons for moving on to a different uh, platform or a different kind of career is, you know, looks are deceiving. Inside of me is a kid that grew up poor, fatherless, basically motherless, you know, never said I love you. I literally had no love in my life. And this, these are the struggles and short, 5'1 in high school, 92 pounds. Now obviously I'm not anymore, I became this six foot two, you know, 200 pound guy that looks intimidating to people. So my disarming is telling the stories that really got me on that stage to begin with, which I'm writing a one-person show that has much to do with why I left stand-up. And it's it explores those darker regions that propel one to get on a stage, for God's sakes. I wasn't propelled by being 400 pounds. Right. So therefore, I have to deal with that circumstance and and give them the comedy give them the comedy that basically led me to going to a stage anyway I, I I have a gift so do all comedians and this is just my type of gift you know you might have a watch right and I might have a pearl necklace right now how
0: the the, the more personal stuff yeah when did you start doing that into your career so in the beginning you did the impression right. everyone knows a love master and of course that's yeah. something you're always gonna have to do just because it's something that it's, yeah. it's like if you go yeah. to see Springsteen you know it, if he doesn't he, play Thunder Road, you're going to go, I
1: know. what the hell? It's you know, funny you, you should mention you gotta, him. You
0: got to say, you know, because yeah. I, mean, I see Springsteen every time he comes Me out too, here. And too, yeah. And you know, I sit there and go, okay, is tonight we play – you know, sometimes I'll play Rosalita, sometimes i play Jungle Land. But you always know Dancing in the Dark, Thunder Road, and Born to Run or Zonkers.
1: Right. It's just the way it is. The advantage of the Love Master – by the way, it's funny you should mention that. I compare my uh, – Springsteen, Springsteen is my biggest influence in – Why is in, that? In the creative arts. Uh, I went to a show that was life-changing at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, 1984, Born in the USA tour, probably seven rows back. Wasn't a huge Springsteen guy. Loved him, though, but it was my first time ever seeing him okay. live. There was nothing like that I had ever seen or seen since on a stage, someone that gives everything from the heels on up. You get everything, you walk out exhausted, you know that he's given you everything. He's personal. I still remember the stories that he told, those interstitial stories throughout that he would sprinkle about going to Graceland and it made him so human. He told, he tells the truth in his lyrics and his, everything that he does. You can watch a person transform before your eyes through, through his creativity, which is wonderful. So all of those elements are what I want to do. That's what I want to do just as a comedian. So he became my guy the the trailblazer for me personally, and i just I so resonate with with the guy that he just broke down those doors for me and saying, "Yeah, you can do that, you can go t- you know be brave and and do the things that he does now, I can't remember what the question was the original question was, but you brought up springsteen oh i uh, about, one about advantage love of the master. love master is I can change the lyrics, okay, he can't do." Hey, baby, I was born to trot. Right, yeah. You know, He can't change it up. He can change the music a little bit, do an acoustic version, but you better tell those lyrics because people are singing along with it. It's the other thing is jokes you can't, you know, you don't want people singing along. Once in a while, I have it happen with the Love Master, which means I have to change up the lines. I probably have about 100 lines as the Love Master.
0: Now, does that... I mean it must be something that it's once again it's something you have to do like I heard a story about Billy Joel when he would say just the way you are and he was so tired of playing it that his uh, keyboard his guitarist would mouth him the words because he's you know he's just tired and, and one night he changed the words talked about how Billy Joel's wife was a bitch through divorce and he's not paid attention and he's Mm. Doing that, and so he stopped playing that song. But for you, does it ever sit? you ever sit there and just go? I mean, if you did, a, have you done shows where you don't do the love master, and do people come up to you after and go? Yeah. I mean, did, are they? Are some people pissed? Or, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean-
1: absolutely. Uh, I've had, uh, especially corporations, will ask me not to do it. Uh, corporate shows, which is. Don't even get me started on that, just so it's so sick, our world, the way we think, our provincial uh, pilgrim thinking, which is completely antithetical to anything that's real, because if you really check with yourself, how can an innuendo offend you uh, to that point where you're going to walk out and you can't hear anymore? It's a guy, it's a Lothario guy, a character that's talking like that. And if that offends you, you have big problems because then you'll turn on the news. That to me is offensive. Right. That we're showing showing boner pill ads to our children and showing them beheadings and everything else that we're desensitized to. But if a comedian tells a joke, this really gets me so upset with our society. Another reason, put it on number yeah. number three, on how ridiculous our society is. They're not even thinking for themselves. They think, oh, I'm supposed to react to this and be offended by this. But if you checked it out with yourself, how could you possibly be offended by something, first of all, sex? We wouldn't be here without it, and you're offended by somebody talking about it in a funny way or cursing, which is completely irrelevant in another language. They don't even understand what curse you're saying. It's all subjective, so just let go and relax. I, it just upsets it. It's an, I, I don't know how many are on my list yet on answering your question why no, I'm I just, but but retiring. It, but
0: you, you have a very valid point because it's also the comedians always seem to get <clears throat> the brunt. And now you know, in my did comedy was in the early 80s. I mean, late 80s and early 90s. It was a different time, and you know, and you've, yeah. you've seen the wave, how the whole seen thing has all. changed. Seen yeah, it all. Yeah, But what's funny is the comedians have to watch what they say. But I was flipping around the other night, and I was, there was a reality show on, and it, oh, was, yeah. it, it took place in Atlanta, and they having subtitles. Now, okay, I'm just saying, you know, the, the things these people are saying, the things are shown in reality shows and oh. all this stuff, and, and then people get pissed if a comic makes something off-color, but you see these reality shows where it's just dumbed down. And it's I mean, violent. Yeah. It's I mean, verbal they, violence. It's
1: abuse. There. And that's, we just accept that as okay. Right. You, every single reality show at this point, except for maybe, you know, 20 of them, like Duck yeah. Dynasty, should be taken off the air for their content <clears> because- it it It's absurd to think that a comedian, and by the way, we're telling a joke that's not, it's fiction. They're doing something that's very real, although most of reality is not. Right. But I mean, they're having real substantial calling, you know, each other horrible names, demeaning names, misogynistic names. Are you kidding me? So we're supposed to accept that? That's okay. But I make a joke about something? And it's, if it's, it's a absurd. love master, It's a character. Of course it is. And of you know. But I don't hence, want to defend it. It's hence, so but ridiculous. Hence the word love
0: master okay it's not gonna be some it's like oh, yeah. what did you expect him to talk about milk and cookies no he's the love master
1: when you yeah. hear that and but he's a joke of a love master it's right. it's the one part of my act that actually isn't true yeah. <laughs> although I have mastered love and I wrote a book about it but, called yeah. love mastered and and that by the way is a real departure that freaks people out even more because yeah they're, get to they're that. expecting to open up and t- talk about my big penis yeah <laughs>
0: so, no so. I want to I get to that after the yes yeah. guy sent up because that is it's such a different yeah it took okay, a good, but it's yeah. great because i know I'm, I'm friends with yakov smirnoff and he does something about love he kills his act he couldn't do it anymore so he does a yeah. thing about he went got his masters from Penn and on relationships oh. and he does a thing about theories of love and laughter what happened wow. you know and just and it's very and so because you guys have the the knowledge i mean you've you've you know i mean comics experience are people, yeah you know so mm-hmm. we have a few reasons so you mm-hmm. got tired of people you know not letting you do your forty, your whole hour set. People, that's one of the reasons you got out. But did the traveler get to you? Or I know you have a newborn. That's yeah, a big did one. That, that's did a that huge get to one. you?
1: Well, listen, I, uh, my, my dad left when I was born. And that really leaves you with a longing right away. And then when you have a mom that doesn't support you lovingly or say even I love you, that adds to that compelling need for attention. So I now have that in my wife. I have everything that I could ever have dreamt about and more. I couldn't have even dreamt this, how wonderful it is to be this much in love and a divine connection. And then the children, I want to be there for them. I don't want them to have that. They'll have their own issues. They have their own path, but it's not going to be, if anything, my kids are going to be in therapy going, my father with you, I love you's already. Ugh. Oh my God, he loved me so much he bit my cheek off. Look at this, he bit. There's a hole in my cheek because he loves me that much. This is what they'll have to deal with, but um, I don't want them to deal with that lack of support and uh, that. You know, it, it just it led me to many places, and some of them wonderful, by the way. I don't regret anything in this in this past uh, career. Because it led me to this, to this feeling of, okay, I can let go now. I'm going to repurpose and do things of purpose. But the stand-up world, one of the other reasons we can put on the list is, to be honest with you, now I know you're one of them, I don't like the club. It's like, I don't want to be a member of that club.
0: I always say it's a young man's, I always do say it's a young man's game. It's just, it's
1: changed. No, not even that. Comedians, not my thing. Never has been. Now, there's a few that I've connected with heart-wise. I'm a heart guy. I don't like the cynical, sarcastic nature that comes with being a comic. I posted a little bit about it this morning with the Bruce Jenner thing, and uh, the Caitlyn Jenner thing. Uh, I just don't resonate with it and never did. So I was almost like a phony being, you know, like one o'clock in the morning. You think that's where I want to be? Right. No. But you end up immersing yourself in that role. And becoming that person that you aren't. I am not that guy. I don't like it. If that's what the job entails, if that's what the job description is, is you hang out here to wee hours and analyze everybody else's act and condemn them for what they're doing, I'm not in. I don't want in that club. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had a good run, but I don't want to be in that club. So a lot of the one-person show I'm writing has to do, it's called a stand-up guy. I always wanted to be a stand-up guy. And a stand-up guy, one thing is be a great friend to people. And don't knock them down. And that's right. what a lot of comics do. I'm not saying all. Oh, Let's I know. I Qualify. You're a good
0: guy. I don't hang out with comics. Always only, liked you. The only comic I do hang out with is Neil Bobble, who you know. Oh, yeah. I'm very good friends with Neil. By the
1: way, another really good guy or yeah, heart guy. Great uh, guy. And yeah. I hang out
0: with him and Jeff Martyr. They're the only comics I hang out with. I don't, right. I've don't. i never hung out with comics. I sit there oh, I, you too? Yeah. I hang out with civilians. You know, I've always hung out with, you know, right. computer guys. I always hang out with... It's so funny. I hang out with a lot of sound guys. They do booms. Boom, bike. I don't know how I... I hang out with, like, three boom you just guys. You it up with the boom and, guys. And they're cool. They're the nicest guys. Right. One's from Norway. One's from uh, Sweden. And they're just these cool guys. But it's, it's great. The, it, there is a lot of yeah. negative in the comedy world. Correct. And, and it's a matter of... It's I compared it a lot to politicians like when you see a, a commercial, you know, instead of someone saying, hey, I'm running for president because I can do this, this, this. They go, that guy's an asshole who's running for president. They don't say it's like comics instead of going, hey, instead of looking at my act and saying, OK, if I do this, this, this and this, I might get to this level. They always go, well, that person knows someone, so that's what I got on TV. And it's mm-hmm. like, that person that doesn't make a difference what that person does. No, they Your have their own path. career is all about
1: you. They have you their own path up. in life, and I'm taking this path, and it's not similar to yours, so embrace it or move on. And I, I embrace you. By the way, here's the other thing is I love comedy and I love comedians for their bravery and courage that it takes to go on a stage, which is the number one fear for most people speaking in front of people, let alone trying to make them laugh. Add that to the whole element. What a craft. I mean, the craft itself is amazing. When you think about it, the the director, the choreographer, the writer, the performer, you do all of those things. And what? How are we then deemed the court jester that gets the least? I don't want to do Rodney, but least respect of right. all. I mean, co- comedians are the lowest of the low of the artists. All right, mimes. Right. But, okay. <laughs> but I mean, I appreciate like Carrot Top. Everybody's always the joke. I I love what he does. Well, the WID. Just doesn't. It, of course, WID does the, the props. You know, and we, you know, this is the old oh, he was the original Carrot Top. But but, but doesn't matter. They're, they're
0: they, both smart. smart. They, they had they had to get something. They utilize and put it
1: props. There's a certain comic that I actually don't care for. He kind of represents all of the bad for me. And what makes me laugh about it, he's one of these real analytical, caustic, uh, judgmental guys. He's judgy. He walks into the room. You smell his judgment. And he does movies. And I want to say to him, hey, 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 Mr. Purist, you need about eh, a few hundred people to put you in that movie. Right. You need editors. You need makeup. You need props. Hello. You need all those things. So so are you are you uh, foregoing? Are you are you just discarding all of your views on what artistic creativity is? No, You, you, you just do what you do in the moment and try to do it the best you can. So let's let's stay out of, you know, critiquing everyone else because all you're doing is pointing a finger at someone else so you don't look at yourself. Yeah, I, And I think that there's so many purists you could do that about. You could just run them all through the gamut and just say, hey, let's pick your act apart. Reason number four that I got out of, business, out of the business is I heard I will not go on Internet sites. I will not go on sites to see what people think about me. Not interested in the praise, not interested in – which is nice though. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But I definitely get sick to my stomach when people attack me because they don't know me. You want to defend. You want to say, you don't know me. You know, here's who I really am. And da, 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 da. You're going to take one part of my act, one little tiny speck of my act. and da, da, da. Analyze that. Come on. So I, it was from 2006. These guys really slamming on me. And and it came up on YouTube. You know, when you search my name, I was looking for something else, you know, to, technologically speaking. And I found this and I said, don't do it. I was alone in a hotel room, bad place for a comic. to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I pressed it and there it was. They just went after me and it was from 10 years ago. And that was the moment I was walking to work and uh, I, I can say his name because um, of what happened since I never really met the guy or I never met the guy. I didn't really know him and he doesn't know me, but it was an open Anthony it was Jim Norton. And, and by the way, I've said this on one other show, and of course, the Opie and Anthony types attacked me on Twitter. Another thing, you pussy, you know, you know people are so brave behind keyboards. Yes. Be brave enough to go up on a stage if you know what you're doing. If you think you know so much, you go up on a stage. But no, you don't. So if anybody's even listening now and that's what you're compelled to do, shut up. Shut up and go get a life of your own that you can analyze, not someone else's. I wasn't a pussy to do this. I did it actually in a brave way. I left millions of dollars on the table to make this transformation take place. So I would think that that that's something that uh, shouldn't be condemned necessarily. So I was walking to work that night. And listen, I'm a spiritual guy. I look for signs. I never met the guy, but I had... Literally, a total Philly guy took over. Yeah, I'm sure you could deal with that. You know, the, there's a Philly guy, and then there's this this kind man that oh yeah. really is generated throughout my soul. But the Philly comes in there, and that's a guy that wants to attack back when I'm attacked. Exactly. I swear to God, it was unbelievable. I'm walking. It was New Year's Eve a year ago, a year and a half ago. I'm walking to work. Rival Club. There's his name on the sign, Jim Norton. I could not believe it. I, I talk about a sign. It was literally right. a sign of the literal and figurative sign. And I had my hand on the door to walk in and go beat him up. I wanted to beat him up to a pulp. I had visions of it. And that's the moment where I went, oh, that's not you. That's not the genuine you. That's so not you. Let it go. Let him go. Let the career go. And I walked on stage and announced it that night on New Year's. Really? The audience was going, what? What? You know, I thought I was kidding. Everybody always does. And and comedians, the cynical ones, oh, you're coming back. You can't leave this. Oh, yes, I can. I could easily leave it. It, Oh, the only thing that would bring me back is the money. Right. Is, yeah, I'm not making uh, much of a living now, and I've left you know, offers I mean I've offered to go anywhere I want in the country basically but
0: yeah, especially if you it's like anything you come back after being away well, you sell out anyway but
1: now you're going to sell out eh, maybe sure. but people think that's part of the agenda absolutely not no, it's, same, it's, it's it's so not, not a part now I would love to sell out you know to make money when I do my next show which will not be that show anymore you know I've said goodbye to that show
0: Now when you do the one man show and you're it's cuz I'm sure there's Serious parts. I know because it's one man Very. Now, yeah. now how do you market that as I mean, and it's funny because I know like Kathy Labman just did a one woman show, it's mm-hmm. very funny, and John Caram's doing one. A lot of people are doing a one person show. Yeah. But for them, they weren't they weren't selling out club, they weren't doing stand-up as much lately. For Correct,
1: you, which is a big advantage for ha- me. Yeah.
0: No. But how but yeah. now where do you market that? Because do you sit yeah. there and think if you go to a comedy
1: club? I, I can't go to Comedy Club. Exactly. I, although I am bringing this particular, uh, I am going to launch it in a workshop sense. Okay. At, in Ventura, which is close to where I live. I think it's July 7th. And that's the. Uh, the. It's called a stand up guy.
0: But the, it's the club. It's the club. It's the uh, club. It, it,
1: it'll be one night, okay. and, I'm, and I have to ask them no drinks, you know, reason number 12. You know, you're you're dealing with too many distractions.
0: There's drunks. I, we went yeah. to the Magic oh, Castle. Oh, unbelievable. The Magic Castle, someone Come heckled a guy. Oh. And me and my girlfriend are going, it's the Magic Castle. The magic Castle. You don't castle. heckle.
1: If that place has that going right. on, just imagine, <laughs> you know, another comedy club, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It is just reprehensible, people's behavior now in this society. And then even, even iPhones with recording something at, at concerts. I want to ask you, if you do that, who is it for? Exactly. Who in the world is going to come to your house? I remember one time my cousins had us over for a slideshow. I couldn't have been more bored. But first of all, you want to say, where am I in the slides? Right, exactly. (laughs) I'm not on your vacation. (laughs) I (laughs) I don't want to see your vacation. Now, Facebook posts, that's great. A couple little here, a couple little there. But seriously, you're going to film an entire concert? Just embrace it. I still have a film in my mind and soul about Bruce Springsteen. And I, and I remember everything about it.
0: And then your arm From gets 84. tired. Because the whole time... Oh, it's the, ridiculous. This, it's the a
1: detachment Hale. of
0: self. I went, and, to, see, I went uh, to see Van Halen on Hollywood. How many Boulevard. cell phones were up filming it? I filmed like 30 seconds to send the it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. But then yeah. you sit there, but you see, okay.
0: you see the people like this. They're holding it up. And then yeah. the whole time, you know, then they got to move. Because there's yeah. a head in the way. And, then they gotta, yeah. and it's like... Yeah. And they're worried about the shot and they're zooming. In. It's like just watch a damn concert. Because- How,
1: who are they going to show it to? What's exactly. it for? I know you don't go
0: home and sit there and go, okay, uh, well let me watch. Let me watch on my little screen. Uh, not yeah, not you know, only
1: that, like <laughs> even let's say you even posted it. I, I'm not going to watch the video of, of, of your Styx concert. I'm going to go and buy the DVD of Sticks Right. <laughs> that's actually recorded with great sound and lights and everything else and a set. It's It was arranged to be a beautiful recording of the way you should hear it, not through your cell phone. So it makes no sense. Another reason not to do stand-up in this current form is the audience has been trained and not in a good way. They've been trained with coupons to get in. And it just all it leads to is even more so that we're the court jesters, that we are just the lowest of the low of the artistic of of artists. And it, it shouldn't be. And I'm not saying that because I'm a comic. It just shouldn't be like that. It should be reversed. Oh yeah. Well, now now when you when you do
0: start marketing your one person show, what kind of venues are you gonna look at? Are you gonna look at small theaters? Oh, yeah. Or, I mean oh, I mean yeah. what would be the ideal? I mean what would be the ideal? Someone says okay. And not, I mean, not say, hey, play, the, you know, the troubadour. But if someone said, okay, here's where we're gonna start, because I'm sure you want it to be more intimate, oh because yeah. oh, you yeah. want yeah. probably a 200 seat or whatever, yeah, maybe, maybe more, three. yeah. Without, do you have any ideas of where you would like to start it off, and do you plan to take it back? Like in Philly, would you want to take it to the, like the Tracadere, or I don't, I don't, know what the size of this things anymore. I mean, oh,
1: I'm gonna figure this out. I'm working with my agents on it. Um, I do actually, it does look like I do have a big theater, a, a 350 seater in Palace Verdes. It looks like that's gonna happen in October. That will pretty much be the debut. And then I'll go up to a thousand seats, you know, which I'm playing anyway. And they'll see, by the way, the show starts off with me doing stand up. That's going to appeal to them. It's what they came to see. But then I leave that microphone symbolically over to the side of the stage. Like it's almost like a crutch that I don't want to go back to. And by the way, I will <laughs> when things right. become uncomfortable during the show. I mean, I talk. There's a piece where I talk about being kidnapped and molested, and I still, in stand-up, have no way to get that across on a stand-up stage. That story. That's very important for people to hear. I believe, and when I've told it before, the responses are amazing because it's basically a breakthrough for other people that are, are closeted, if so to speak, on being molested and uh, and so forth. So, I that's the show has just, it just has a different purpose. I can say things that can't be said on a comedy stage. Like I I talk about my dad is a cult leader and even you would go, you serious. Right? Like, right. That's what you would say. No, it is serious. He has a harem of 12 women and, you know, runs mule rides and you know, it's it's crazy. If I say it on comedy, nobody believes me. If I say it in a one person show they believe me there's an acceptance and then they take the ride with you and if yeah. you say it in comedy they think you're making a joke exactly so then they're going to laugh. Punchline coming
0: it's, they're going to laugh go wait, yeah exactly so now the book now now yeah. how did you okay so you get away from the business and you decide when did you decide to write a book and how did it all come about and cuz it's once again you're breaking and you've been doing comedy for a long time so yeah. you're, you're breaking your persona and it's like a part of your life so yeah. do you need more water this is
1: i'm good okay. i'm
0: good um how did you, when did you decide to write the book and, and how did you do the whole process? It's interesting you
1: would ask, how did I decide? And uh, there was the assumption that I decided after the retirement, all that. No, it was long ago um, that it was, I kind of like, one of the big transformations, if you will, transcendence that took place happened like in the mid nineties when a, a manager turned to me and said, I said, how come I don't have a sitcom? Because <laughs> everybody has a sitcom. And I was hot at the time too, you know, so. Not looking, but you know, kind of like hey, there, was, good there was an illusion. The, boy club. There was, a, there was an illusion of heat. I said, how come I don't have a sitcom? They said, eh, the, the, the industry doesn't get your point of view. And I said, what, are you talking about? what if my point of view is that I don't have a point of view? I started arguing it and then backed up, You know, kind of listened to the inner self. And, and the inner self said, okay, this is going to solve a lot for you. Go up and tell them who you are. So that's when all of those bits started coming. Almost everything in my act has happened. It's experiential as opposed to opinion. And people can't deny your experience, by the way, which I love. People can go, oh, shut up, you liberal. No, it's just what happened. You know, you can call me whatever label you want, but uh, this is what happened to me, and here's the funny in it, and here's the exaggeration, of course. That's what the comedy is. So that's when things started to get really good. But then I, as the kind of uh, expedition went deeper into me um other things would other voices became apparent and I would listen to them like a light was started to shine that I was pushing down and I just happened to respond to someone on Facebook a fan who I hardly know 3000 miles away back in the Philly area Jersey she said, I thought you want to know we're getting divorced after 30 years of marriage. Her husband met who I knew him casually, you know, they came to every show. And something compelled me. I just said, just write back to her. Just share your pain and your journey. And that's what I did. And then she comes back to me, very similar response that almost everyone is like, Wow, wasn't I expecting? Wasn't expecting that from a comedian. I was expecting, you know, a joke, uh, you know, she, but you sound like, uh, you know, you could be the next, you know, she named Wayne Dyer and she, I said, no, no, really, it's, I'm just speaking from my heart now. And the book is our conversation on private message on Facebook, which gave her the safety to explore regions she had not previously explored at all. She admitted she never loved the guy in 30 years. She got married, engaged in a bar and then went from there and just did the right things for the children. And here's the sad thing is she said she'd never been in love and never will. And I said something, again, I reached deep down. I said, oh, yes, it will. And you'll see in the book it does. Our conversation, I didn't know it was going to be a book until maybe midway through the conversation. Was, this is interesting for other people to, to kind of break through on uh, relationship breakup or just difficulties in life, being involved with a drunk or a, an abusive person. Like, how do you break free? Well, I kind of talked about my own failed Relationship, marriage, and then in sharing that with her, it allowed her to open up. And then she comes back, and I was kind of like amused for her. She's an amazing writer. If anything, I said she needs to be published. Right. So that's what the book is: is our exchange. It's called Love Mastered, and it's about mastering true love, not a big penis.
0: Well, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Also, didn't you give a workshop in Was it Woodland Hills a few weeks? Yeah, saying? yeah. Now, now what was the workshop healing. about? Now, now, do you? That's there? a whole
1: other direction I took in like uh, 2000, 2003, right around there. My, one of my best friends from Philly, Michael Goldberg, uh, big comedy writer, wrote Cool Runnings, Little right. Giants. They said, you have brain cancer. And by the way, I, was, I helped him, even he directed my first movie and I helped him basically create a baby. I said, do the love master. And his wife got pregnant that day. Okay. All these people would tell me this, by the way, that they couldn't have a baby. And I said, just laugh. You know, I said it casually, but then this guy getting brain cancer, they gave him about three weeks, three months to live. Yeah, it's whenever
0: your it picture, like your pictures. It's like
1: 1999, and um, sure enough, he got in. He we got on board with one another. We had a little team golds, about five of us. Let's support this guy all the way. You know, he wants to stay alive for his daughter. He wants to stay alive to laugh, because that is one thing we all bonded with, me and the whole t- the whole team of us. And sure enough, you know, he'd show up at the cancer facilities where I developed these laughter heals programs, and doing a documentary about it. We shot him. And then we we shot him at a show of mine, which was like unbelievable this recovery that he made because the guy was like down and down down. People kept saying, Go say goodbye to him, he's done. Okay. You know, comas, coma it was just amazing to me. Fifteen years later, there he was after the prognosis of three weeks. And there he was at my show, and we got we recorded it all. Another guy from Philly recorded at the temple. And he um that was kind of his last hurrah, though. And then he went down, 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 and he finally passed away probably nine months after that. But we had a celebration for him, and it was all about laughter. I admitted to his daughter why she's here, because of the love master. <laughs> so, he imitated the love master. And his wife laughed, and they had a baby. There you go. Because that <laughs> loosens things up. And anyway, I did a lot of exploration. You know, I'm a doctorate now. Laughter heals, and it really does, and we're doing a documentary about it. The only thing missing is I need, you know, as usual, need money. And uh, we have everything arranged for this film to really break out. Why people need to laugh more? You need to put it at the top of your list. I marry people now in hot trimony. You know, I or, you know I ordained and
0: how, how how do you go about that? I just on
1: the internet. You just press. You just
0: it's not funny. It's just a, a, but, press a but I think that would be the best. I think honestly. Kelly
1: Carlin married me. You know, okay. And my wife and she she said I finally found out in her one person show. George Carlin's daughter, all she did is press ordain me now. Okay, yeah. I she, said, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have flown you to Hawaii. Right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, I so I do this work because I have people, they they need to have this understanding that the only thing that's going to sustain you through life and the will to live and the will to keep your relationship together is based on laughter and levity and frivolity. If you have those things... Look, everything else fails. Our bodies fail. Everything right. else fails. All the things that attracted you to someone, yeah, sex is going to go, it's going to start waning, baby. Yeah, I know you're in denial and you don't believe it, but it does. You know, the older you get, the, it just doesn't work the way it was. You know, your gut grows, your hair's lost. Oh, believe some me. sooner than others. But
0: believe me, I know. Yeah, me. But no, I mean, I, I went to a health problem three years ago and I had congestive heart failure and mm-hmm. I, I wrote a cookbook. Well, low sodium cookbook. same thing people like what are you writing a cookbook for i uh-huh. said you know you do radio you do that i said because it's, want, a, it's a very important thing you know you, and you want to help others you want to help others and Why i would you not and as i say, i'm like a sodium Nazi i look at the, the content yeah but the same
1: by thing the is- way how selfish would that be of you to not listen to your spirit sending you in that direction exactly and i feel the same way if i don't you know i wrote a serious post about you know Caitlyn jenner this morning still have a hard time saying i've known the guy 20 years you golf. You know, you golf with. Many know, times. Okay. As a matter of fact, they used to say at the country club, they'd say, you know, you're one of the few people he golfs with. And now everything became clear on why. It's because I accepted him for who he is. And, uh, yeah, and I guess he felt safe with me because most macho guys, and I feel the same way. I don't like macho guys. Misogynist guys. Telling well, we, we, we grew up from jokes. Philadelphia. We hate
0: we hate the South Philly, the meatheads. You know, that's it's, those guys. Oh, are oh, always it's
1: everybody like... that's like that, that just think that their answer is to, you know, get drunk and abuse people. I've been through that, all right? I've been through it. Don't like it. Don't don't want to be there anymore. It's just sorry. That's not that might be for you. I was just golfing the other day in this event, and this woman just kept coming up to me, literally stumbling, knocking down benches, telling me the same joke, and thinking I'm an arrogant ass for not saying, "Oh, that's funny. That's funny." No, sorry. You know, you're trying to force your will and what you think is fun and funny upon me. No, sorry. Not, not, yeah, I'm not gonna accept that. So he's had Bruce Jenner had that problem. For a long, long time, wouldn't go to the parties at these events, and now I know why. He's so uncomfortable in his own skin, and I could feel it back then. And and now she is. And I think I, it's great. I, you know, I I literally had dreams about running into him and talking to him again. And you know, it's been a little while, and a year or so. And uh, you know, I'm gonna give him a big hug.
0: Now, when you uh, when you you did some book signings too.
1: Yeah, I've done some book signings now, on Love Master. Now,
0: what happens with books By the
1: signings? way, for anyone listening. The book is really a help. It's a help for people. It really is. It's a cry help. Uh, you know, if you're in pain, this book really has helped. Uh, um, Dr. Drew's reading it for the second time himself. Okay. I mean, that's how much. I sound like Woody I, himself. Uh, he's reading it himself. Uh, he. Uh, it's just affecting people. It's it's connecting with people because it's a true story. It's 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 the dialogue between two people in pain trying to get to the other side. And you know what's and great about that? you can that? get it at my website, craigshoemaker.com. I don't prefer you go to Amazon and give them more money. Exactly. You, know, you, you, you Give it to me and my ex-wife. I'm the same way. <laughs> no, you
0: know what's great? <laughs> and also, my wife
1: and my kids. But craigshoemaker.com and I can sign the copy and give you a little discount.
0: What's great it. about the book is, though, it also, that's going to bring you up to a whole new audience that will come to see your one-person show, which is great. Because it's going to go yeah. from you know, people knowing it was a comic, then they read this and they go, wow. And then they say, oh, wait, he's doing this show. Now, how about your radio show? What's up with that? Because you, you, you said you, you had Jack McGee on, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, just last week. Because yeah. Jack
0: was on my show. He's a great
1: guy. Oh, he's a great guy. I've known him for twenty some years. And it's too. funny
0: because mm-hmm. I, I've not pilfered, but I've looked at some of your old guests. Like when you had Gregory Harrison on, then I hit him up on Facebook. Gregory came on here. Paul Ben Victor. I've seen some of your guests. I go, you
1: bastard! You
0: are pilfering my guests. Oh yeah, because I said if they're good, okay, they're doing his show. And the funny thing is, though, you're a lot bigger name than me,
1: but I have, I. Uh, if I've, they're doing his show, they would do mine. Is no, that your no. thought? No,
0: I'm saying, I'm saying, they're, they, they have nothing they, else. They do. No, they do. Build they're accessible for appearances, you know. Yeah. So, and it's sorry because, but it's funny. It's like you've had some, you know, have some great guests. And Did you have Paul Leon? Ben Victor? Yeah. He's he was part of Team Golds. Okay. Yeah, he's part yeah, of yeah, our that's, team. That's where he brought it up. Yes, he was. He was great. Yeah. And he's huh? got that voice. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just, great. You know, yeah. He's, but no, and I've done that. I think we've the,
1: had incredible guests on our been, show, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Now, how, how do you do? You like doing? Do you like doing the radio? That I part? like radio more than anything in all of the arts. Why? Because it creates a theater of the mind. I don't have to worry about what I look like. Uh, Appearances which can really get in the way of expression. Uh, If you're thinking for one moment, it takes you out. Now, in this conversation with you, pure, absolute, truthful, truthful which is where I want to be. So to me, there's no, it's, there's no, it's a sharing as opposed to performance. They're two different animals and Raiders is the best. Unfortunately, that's another one that it's, it's just gone. It's just gone. Bye-bye.
0: It's it's it funny because, you know, because I, I, well, you had some uh, technical problems too because I was excited to listen, yeah. I, but I was bummed because I was sitting there going, and I heard you start with the, the Jewish uh, cowgirl uh, or the Jewish right. showbillier yeah, who yeah. was
1: funny. And uh, I feel bad because it was, it basically got, her mic wasn't on and here's the thing is i'm right in the middle of going somewhere where the technical difficulties won't be there and we'll explode it out and i'll bring the show back and uh, right now it's craig you can go to plenty of archive shows and this look up great. all of those celebrities it's three years worth and i love it haven't made one dime once in a while, I get a sponsorship, get a watch, something like that. But basically, no, I do it because I absolutely love it. Love hanging with the guests. Isn't that great to connect with people like I, that? See, for me, and, and then- And get to know a whole other version of them that's not uh, in their, through their publicity department. Oh, yeah.
0: See, what what I love about it is, and I, I get some pretty big guests, and- what always amazes me I'm is. I'm pill for years, by the way. Oh, go ahead. You don't think I'm
1: not Look, gonna do this. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm gonna a, start the letter with you did his show. Yeah. No, I never yeah, but I'm
0: I mean, I'm not a name. You're that. you're a name, you're yeah. Craig Shoemaker. For Some me, are. I love it when people come in who and I sit there when Nia Vardalos was in, I'm like, wow, because she knew a friend of mine or whatever. And you meet these people who you see on TV and they're just they're just people. And they're, of course they're and, are, and yeah. you can tell why they've had success because they're good people. They're not they're not jerks. And you can tell that you know that everyone says Mark Harmon's the nicest guy in Hollywood. And the reason that's why his shows run forever. Everyone mm-hmm. goes to work, and
1: they're taken care of, and you're happy. I have his guest star on my show a few times. Rocky Carroll, a great, great actor. Yeah, great actor, and one of the greatest guys. We become friends. You know, we golf together and stuff like that. But uh, he, it, it's it, You will find that some of these successes, uh, you will find that that is the reason because from the top on down, they create this. This uh, I I remember that was the case with the Everybody Loves Raymond. God, what an amazing cast! Oh, yeah. Probably the most underrated cast in the history of television. But it came from Ray and it came from Rosenthal all the way at the top and went all the way down. They 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 made sure they were home with their families by 6:30. Right. You know, I mean that kind of thing. That's that's a vibe that I think more should head in that direction. Unfortunately, we're not. You know, we we're in a fear-based society to make decisions based on. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. You can't make decisions like that. And that's, again, back to the radio thing. That's what this offers is there's no image consciousness that goes on in here. It's revealing you're real and and look, I mean, just look at where you can go with them because like, let's say again, television, if that was your medium, if you had that same guest, they're going to dress properly. Oh my God, how am I dressed? How does this look for America? I don't want to say the wrong thing because too many people are listening or watching. There's uh, My publicity people are prompting me to say this. I've got to get this plug in. I have to talk about the director and kiss his ass so I can work again in Hollywood. I won't even let anybody talk about the, the uh, director right. on my show. I want to talk about the stuff that really, really propels them to keep moving. We just have a few minutes left. Yeah. And I know. Thank
0: you for saying. Cause I know you had to get your son. Uh, now, the album. See, I call them albums still. The,
1: uh... Well, it is. They're actually back to calling them albums.
0: Okay, good. Yeah. Now, where can people find that? Because it, it's it blew up. It's number one. It blew up. One, on, was it? I couldn't
1: believe it. I, you know, hadn't come out with one in, in years, and um, this great company, uh, Comedy Dynamics, they got a hold of it, and they said, "Can we release this?" And it was number one on iTunes. I couldn't believe it. Craig Shoemaker, The Last Stand (parentheses up), The Last Stand Up, because it was my last CD. Okay. As as that guy, as that stand-up guy. Stand-up comedian guy. So now um, there will be more in store, plenty more in store. But in the meantime, I would love it if people went there, rated it, you know, downloaded it. That'd be really cool. And again, reason number fifteen, not in the business, is that's changed too. I used to sell tons of albums. My first one went cardboard. I'm very excited. But (laughs) now, I mean, I could sell CDs. It was wonderful. And uh, now everything is digital uh it's a different world it can't make much money uh, doing it so please uh, folks if you if you're, I'm not begging you but just you know do yourself a favor you have something fun to listen to it's a fun album people are really digging it a lot of laughs to add to your life why not it's your medicine i think it's 9 bucks just why why would you not do that for yourself you know just do it and you know what i'll probably make a a, a nickel yeah there you go you do it's, that. It's- so a nickel goes a long way with my family of little kids. Now, give all your info. CraigShoemaker.com. You can get all the products there. My Datitude DVD, which did really well in Showtime. I've got those in my garage. Yeah. yeah I'm just letting people know this shit's out of my garage. My light of curse. Yeah. So Look you have my first one. Can you believe that all this time? is the first time I curse. That's good. Yeah. See, how about that? That's I've good. been sitting with so much radio for all these years. You're used to it. But yeah, I go to CraigShoemaker. No mocker, no umlaut. I'm not off the boat from Bavaria. I think it changed Nellis Island or whatever. It's shoemaker, just like you make your shoes. Right. I, it's amazing when people see the word shoemaker and they go, hello, Mr. Schumacher. Are, are you I am, serious?
0: I'll, yeah. I, it's People call me copper sometimes. I go, it's Cooper. It's it, There's um, no copper. Co- yeah. It's crazy. So and that and your Twitter is that Craig Shoemaker.
1: No, that's actually Twitter is the Love Master. And you tweet a lot. I do a lot. It's for entertainment purposes mostly. And, and once in a while, I'll throw in a damn promo. And the
0: fan page is uh, Craig Shoemaker on
1: Facebook. Craig Shoemaker on Facebook, and and that's the one. By the way, I'm limited, you know, on personal page. You can only have five thousand. Right. So I like wait for dead people. I and wait then, two weeks, and then I get, you know, then I make room for another one. But that one's filled. But the other one, yeah, I could have as many as I want, and I'm on it a lot to, to just connect. I love connecting with everyone.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on.
1: Thanks, uh, man. It's
0: uh, great to see you, and uh, it's a Philly guy, and uh, we didn't get to talk about the Eagles, and he's friends with John Dorbos, and uh, he always has like great uh, posts. He has oh. a great post where he's sitting there and uh, – we got to wrap. So Okay. I'll, I'll just,
1: see Darren boss. I'm uh, RobHornerBenefit.com. I'll be in Philadelphia June 12th.
0: There you go. So follow him, people. Follow me on Twitter, at CooperTalk. That's at CooperTalk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 375 episodes up there. Email me Ooh. at coopertalk.net. Uh, it's Cooper, coopertalk.net. And go to my other website, stopthesalt.com. It's my low-sodium cookbook after I got out of the hospital. Had to change my diet. It's 125 easy, easy recipes. Just like Craig said, buy it from me. You You can go to Amazon, you can go to Barnes & Noble, but if you go to StopTheSalt.com, you buy it from me, I sign it, I cut the middleman out, and I make more money, and you make me happy. So remember, Craig Shoemaker, go check his website out, buy his stuff. Steve Cooper, Stop The Salt. I'm Steve Cooper, I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend.